0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz bassist and composer John Patitucci. On May twenty first, 2020, during the coronavirus lockdown, we talked about his latest 2020 CD called Excursions and Adventures in the Surreal World We Live In. He was born in Brooklyn and began playing the electric bass at 10. He went on to study classical bass at San Francisco State University and Long Beach State University. And he went on to play with luminaries over his career, like Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Stan Getz, Pat Metheny, Wynton Marsalis, Joshua Redman, and so many others. He's got great tales. Enjoy.
1: So, John, how you holding up?
2: How's everything going? Just, you know, uh, trying to do a lot of recording work from the house and different things. We're doing a lot of teaching. We finished the semester at Berkeley teaching on Zoom. There's a lot going on here in New York, just trying to deal with stuff. Um, I'm lucky I, have, I live outside the city, so it's so bad. But uh, I have my wife and one of my daughters is home. The other one lives in L.A., and uh, my mother in law who's ninety is with us, so we're trying to really make sure we take care of her.
1: You know? Good deal. Good deal. Yeah, well yeah. I, I really appreciate you taking a minute out um during this very strange time on the planet to talk about music. I think it's kind of an oasis for everybody to get away from the realities of what's going on and talk about music. So thank you. Yeah,
2: no problem. How are you doing?
1: Oh, we're okay, you know. Uh we're, we're holding steady. Everything kind of did a soft opening on the 15th of May, and some businesses are open. And, you know, the more I see how everybody's kind of interacting and rolling, I really believe that, you know, no one wants to go back into this quarantine for another 60-some-odd days. So I think businesses hold a very big key to making sure that people wear masks and do precautions, and they don't want to keep losing money. People want to become human again. They don't want to keep doing this. You know, saying that we've been doing. So I think, I, I think, I'm hoping that the message was, let's scare everybody. Let's make sure everybody understands the verity of this so we plan and live accordingly to that so that we can get on with our lives a little bit.
2: Well, I just hope, uh, you know, I'm concerned when I see these big spikes happening in some of the places but that are reopening, but we'll have to see it how it goes. I mean, hopefully they can, they can really come up with something to help everybody too. Yeah, uh, but yeah. It's going to take a while to get that vaccine, you know.
1: Sure is. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. You can't rush biology. Um, so when did you start seeing this big domino fall that was going to silence jazz? Was it mid-March? What, kind of, what are the circumstances that you started seeing?
2: Um, I was doing a lot of traveling, which i do been doing for many decades. And uh, I guess it was around um, – I had to – I was on the road, and I had to come back from the West Coast around... Today is Thursday, so it's literally nine weeks ago. I got home on a Tuesday, uh, Wednesday early morning. I took a Tuesday night red-eye from the West Coast to come back because everything was just completely shutting down. It was around March 16th or something like that. And um, But before that, I heard, you know, it was starting to really... They were talking about that, you know... A week before that, and things were starting to—I mean, Europe had already been having trouble, and Italy uh, was really having some trouble. Tr- so, um, unfortunately, things started getting crazy, and then I needed to get back to New York so that I would be able to get back to New York. You know, so it's—it's it's, it's been pretty intense, you know. So pretty intense.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is intense. Um, so what have you been doing to kind of keep yourself – I mean, you, you had talked about some things that you were doing. Are there any other creative things that you're doing to kind of satiate? your? I mean, this is such a big point. I always ask the question to musicians, you know, how healthy is jazz? And, and I don't have to ask that anymore. The coronavirus answered that. Every musician I talk to, the amount of gigs they've canceled just for one musician is staggering. When I look at Kansas City – We were in a renaissance, Bobby Watson was at UMKC, cats were staying, people weren't moving on, Kansas City used to be a springboard, and just the amount of gigs in this town that have been canceled, Uh it's unreal, man, it just is. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, um, I had months of work just vaporized, and that was really hard, obviously going to be going forward. I'm still doing some recording session work for people when they send me tracks, and I have a Pro Tools studio in the basement, so I can do some stuff. I'm teaching at Berkeley. We finished up our semester online on Zoom, and then I'm I'm teaching some people. You know, I have an online school at Artist Works, at a company out of Napa, California, that I've been doing for years now. So that's something. I'm just sort of piecing together some things as I can, but you know, it's hard to make up for that giant chunk that just vaporized so you know there's some government programs and this and that and we're trying to just deal with it it's you know it remains to be seen what's going to happen and we're just going to try to you know keep plugging away and doing whatever we can uh it's it's you know it's going to be really hard to calculate the the damage going forward until we've been on the other side of it for a while you know yeah so absolutely. But I but I've also been benefit concerts streaming from my house and you know, that kind of thing. Um They're doing these amazing Zoom get togethers uh with all these bass players and teachers all around the country. Um the one that I just jumped off to speak with you has Ron Carter, Victor Bailey uh Victor Wooten, Steve Bailey, uh Will Lee, Steve Gadd, Anthony Jackson and Ron Carter. Wow. So, oh, so we're you know, so um there's a lot of stuff going on people getting together in in ways that we wouldn't normally have a chance to do. So, um, you know, we're just dealing with that and uh, trying to, trying to, to create some community, you know, get the community going, but you know, it's, it's, it's not easy, you know? So that's, what's going on with that. And, uh, and my church work, you know, I'm still really active in that. And, um, uh, we are doing some stuff virtually, which is kind of strange. We have our services, uh, that way. Um, but I'm also on the prayer team at my church, so I pray with people, uh, even over the phone or whatever, you know, just to try to encourage and help them through this time. So there's a lot going on. Uh, and it's, you know, thank God my wife is amazing and she and I have been married for 25 years now and she's an angel, so. We're just trying to, you know, raise our daughters, our daughters are 22 and 19 and one's in LA is a singer-songwriter. She's trying to, you know, make her way and it's just kind of a crazy thing. Luckily songwriters can write even over the computer and through Zoom or whatever, but it is different. It's crazy. You know, yeah, I just fin- She just finished her first, my younger daughter just finished her first year of college at Tulane. So we're trying to figure out what's going to happen for the fall semester.
1: Yeah, you know, the one thing I keep thinking about during all of this is that I hope that people out there, you know, we talk about all the frontline workers and all of those that are essential, and I really think that the artists out there, jazz artists, all of the visual and TV and film people, I mean, if we didn't have some of these arts to keep us occupied and lift our spirits, we would be in a dark place right now, Um, and, you know, and I hope... Hope that's a cognitive thing. And, I, you know, I've also thought, too, as much as I love jazz and what you guys do, and, you know, I've been doing this for a while now, and I, I've, I, you all taught me through interviews just what you guys do is like one instant on, instance on stage. You I mean, as much as you want to try, try to Bill Murray Groundhog Day things, you never do it the same way twice. And it's like life. It mimics life, the way a leaf blows on a tree, the way a bird dies in the air. It's like it's never going to happen that way again. And you guys are the utter practitioners of it, the jazz arts. And I think this time in our history of an unprecedented world-unifying pandemic, you all are probably artists that are probably the most adept to being cognizant of something that's going to happen once and maybe encapsulating this in turning it out into an artistic vision.
2: Well, you know, it's not, not a surprise that, you know, during every social upheaval and sociological you know, phenomenon throughout world history. Those things have a have a direct effect on the music, uh, the sixties, with all the stuff going on, some of the greatest jazz was recorded then. Um, you know, uh in classical music, uh, different periods of history sparked different developments in the music. When anyway, if you go, go back to Baroque music or Bach or even before that palestrina or there were different things happening in the culture that, you know, influenced the music. Uh, when Stravinsky did Rider Spring, there was a riot in the place. You know, it was too much for them. They couldn't handle it. It was too new. You know, music is tied to the people. And, you know, I, we tell our students all the time, you can't play who you are. You will play who you are. It's inevitable. It will come out that way. So who you, who you are as a person, who you're developing, who you're becoming. Is going to come out your instrument. And hopefully, that's a generous, selfless person who will make the music and everybody soar, not just the individual. So, that group thing, that's a big thing with bass, you know.
1: Yeah. It should
2: be for everybody, but it's definitely the bass and the drums. Really, we live by that, you know.
1: So yeah over your career you've been fortunate to have a lot of really amazing experiences with musicians and being around the world are there any particular magic moments on stage or gigging with certain musicians that are really coming to mind now during this absence of jazz live
2: i mean i was years with chick Corea, obviously with all his bands and we still you know we're supposed to play something in the fall some reunion stuff so we've, ne- we've never really stopped completely playing but um uh, I've been with Wayne Shorter for the last twenty years, and that quartet you know out of a family too huge family and uh I really miss those gigs you know playing together and um of course, you know it's uh been many many magical concerts in Europe and Japan and some of the states and um you know we don't have time to get into it all i mean it's those are things that stay with you forever. They're, uh, they keep coming back, you know, memories and flood back all the time, and you know, and many others, like I played with McCoy Tyner. Uh, I was lucky to play with him later in his life and played with a lot of different people, all kinds. Freddie Hubbard when he was alive,
0: you know,
2: and, um, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of musicians that were my heroes. I got to know them and play with them, so that's a, a huge, huge thing, you know.
1: Yeah. What, you know, you've had the jazz season, you, very early on. What was the first jazz show you saw that really made you think, this is what I want to do with my life? Well,
2: uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I remember, you know, growing up in New York, and I didn't get to see any shows in New York uh, uh, when I was growing up because I was pretty little. But um, then we moved out. But during that time, my first, the first records came into the house from my grandfather, and, I heard Wes Montgomery and Oscar Peterson and um Art Taking the Jazz Messengers with Wayne Shorter and, and Freddie and all that. So that really kind of rocked my boat and the Herringbird. And, but then when we went to the Bay Area in California in the 70s, um, I heard uh many shows. I heard Thad Jones' Melon was live. I heard Basie's band. I heard Izzy Gillespie in a small group. I heard um, McCoy Tyner's group. Um I heard Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. I heard a lot of different bands. And it just blew me, blew me away. But I think when I heard those, well, I had a mentor named Chris Puller or Chris Taylor. He, he pronounces it that way. But um when I was 13, I met him in the Bay Area and he really, you know, hit me to a lot of record, Miles records and chick Corea's music and Herbie. And I guess about 12, 13, I decided that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's what happened with me. And my older brother's a guitar player, so he started me playing electric bass when I was 10. I was trying to play guitar like him because he's a guitarist, but I never felt comfortable. I'm lefty and the pick in my hand, as you know, you played righty no matter what in those days. The only people who had left-handed guitars were Hendrix and Paul McCartney. So, wow. anyway, I, and, I, um, so that's, that's my story, but, uh, I'm really thankful for you know all the all the things that I've gotten to experience it's just mind blowing for me. I can't believe it. So,
1: yeah. so I, I guess in and in to, to encapsulate all of that, why do you love jazz?
2: Well, I like Wayne Shorter's definition of jazz. Jazz means I dare you, <laughs> which means I like it. kind of like I dare you to be creative. I dare you to dream. I dare you to take chances. I dare you to create in the moment, I dare you to uh, not hide behind your instrument I dare, you know, it's a lot of things so that's uh, that's what I think it is, I mean it's it's it jazz has mixed with so many different kinds of music and, and uh, evolved and uh, it's an amazing living art form
1: You know, we are going to get to a point where live jazz will return and both musician and the audience will return and I want to know from you, what do you hope What revelations do you hope we all gain from this time away when we return?
2: Well, I think this country has suffered from an an over-individualistic complex from the beginning. And and unless we understand the power of community, uh, there is no great art, in my opinion. The greatest game-changing groups in jazz were exactly that. Groups, it wasn't just a solo concert. It was the Miles Davis Quintet or the John Coltrane Quartet charlie parker quartet you know it wasn't just one person standing up there they were bands and families that developed so uh you know if people didn't before they're definitely going to value it more now i hope you know
1: yeah absolutely well everything's going to come down to this everyone has a perception of you your family your friends and your fans but you're living your life who do you think you are
2: well, I'm somebody who is just a kid who grew up in Flatbush in Brooklyn and who had no idea that all these dreams could come true. <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea what was going to happen, and I just stand here today at 60 years old shaking my head like, wow, this is a miracle. So that's who I am.
1: <laughs> Beautiful. That's what life's all about, man. Hey, John, thanks. This has been illuminating.
0: Thank you for taking some time out. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, thanks to my brother. God bless you and your family,
0: okay? Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Brooklyn, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to John for his time, music, and class. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
2: on jazz